Welcome to Through the Bible in a Year with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Through the Bible in the Year with Pastor John. So glad you could join me today to get a portion of God's Word. Today we're going to begin with day 129, May 8th, Nehemiah chapter 5 to 8, verse 1. Wall plans concluded. Overview. Internal strife in the Israelite camp causes as much unrest as the attacks from outside the camp. The people are suffering under financial stress imposed by their Persian masters. Worse yet, the Hebrews are exacting interest from their own brothers who have borrowed to pay their debts. After correcting this abuse, Nehemiah again turns his attention toward the threats from without. He deftly avoids being lured into an assassination plot on his life, nor will he be intimidated by the threats of a slanderous letter. After 52 days of building and battling, the wall stand completed. At last, the order can go forth to repopulate the holy city of Jerusalem. Chapter 5, Usury Abolished. Chapter 6, Murder Averted, verses 1 to 4. Deceit Avoided, verses 5 to 14. Mission Accomplished, verses 15 to 19. Opposition. Chapter 7 to 8, Population Assigned. 7, 1 to chapter 8, verse 1. Outcome. Insight. Doing wrong to do right is wrong, right? Nehemiah 6.10. Shemaiah's offer of safety in the temple for Nehemiah 6.10 was a direct violation of God's law that forbade laymen from entering the sanctuary. Even if Shemaiah had been telling the truth, which he wasn't, to enter the temple would have been a fatal mistake. Insight, a joint effort, Nehemiah 7, 1-3. When the walls were finished, Nehemiah set up doors and the different gates. But because of the sparse population, those who usually worked in the temple, the singers and Levites, joined the gatekeepers in standing God, 7, 1-3. Nehemiah, chapter 5. Nehemiah defends the oppressed. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, 
you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, We will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, If you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, Amen. And they praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. For the entire twelve years that I was governor of Judah, from the twentieth year to the thirty-second year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine. Besides 40 pieces of silver, even their assistance took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table. Besides, all the visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every ten days we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, O oh my God, all that I have done for these people, and bless me for it. Nehemiah chapter 6 Continued opposition to rebuilding. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sanballat's servants came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations and Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you 
Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of Metabel, who was confined to his home. He said, Let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalah had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse me and discredit me. Remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat have done. And remember, Nodiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. The builders complete the wall. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. During those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law was Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan was married to the daughter of Meshullam, son of Bechariah. They kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said, and Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. Nehemiah chapter 7 After the wall was finished, and I had set up the doors and the gates, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother, Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, Do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day, and even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem to act as guards, everyone on regular watch. Some will serve at sentry posts and some in front of their own homes. Nehemiah registers the people. At that time, the city was large and spacious, but the population was small, and none of the houses had been rebuilt. So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and leaders of the city, along with the ordinary citizens, for registration. I had found the genealogical record of those who had first returned to Judah. This is what was written there. Here is the list of the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon, but now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Nehemani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpah, Bigvi, Rehum, and Bana. This is the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile, the family of Parash, 
2,172. The family of Shephatiah, 372. The family of Ara, 652. The family of Pahat Moab, descendants of Jeshua and Joab, 2,818. The family of Elam, 1,254. The family of Zatu, 845. The family of Zakai, 760. The family of Banai, 648. The family of Babay, 628. The family of Asgad, 2322. The family of Adonicum, 667. The family of Bigve, 2067. The family of Aden, 655. The family of Atur, descendants of Hezekiah, 98. The family of Hashem, 328. The family of Bazay, 324. The family of Jorah, 112. The family of Gibah, 95. The people of Bethlehem and Natopha, 188. The people of Anatot, 128. The people of Beth Asmaphet, 42. The people of Kiriath, Jerem, Kephara, and Berat, 743. The people of Ramah and Geba, 621. The people of Michmash, 122. The people of Bethel and Ai, 123. The people of West Nebo, 52. The citizens of West Elam, 1254. The citizens of Harim, 320. The citizens of Jericho, 345. The citizens of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 721. The citizens of Shena, 3930. These are the priests who returned from exile. The family of Jediah, through the line of Jeshua, 973. The family of Emmer, 1052. The family of Pashur, 1247. The family of Harim, 1017. These are the Levites who returned from exile. The families of Jeshua, and Kadmiel, descendants of Hodaviah, 74. The singers of the family of Asaph, 148. The gatekeepers of the families of Shalom, Atur, Talman, Akub, Hatita, and Shobai, 138. The descendants of the following temple servants returned from exile, Ziha, Hashupa, Tabat, Keros, Shiaiha, Padan, Labana, Hagabah, Shalmai, Hanan, Gedel, Gahur, Riaya, Razin, Nakoda, Gazam, Uzah, Pasea, Bazai, Miunum, Nafusum, Bekbuk, Hakufa, Haruhur, Bazlut, Mazhida, Harasha, Bakos, Sisera, Tima, Naziah, and Hatifir. The descendants of these servants of King Solomon returned from exile, Sotai, Hasoferet, Peruda, Jala, Dakan, Gidel, 
Shephatiya, Hatil, Pokaret, Hazabayam, and Amai. In all, the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants, number 392. Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Malah, Tel Hasha, Karub, Adan, and Emer. However, they could not prove that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, and Nakoda, a total of 642 people. Three families of priests, Hobaiah, Hakaz, and Barzillai also returned. This Barzillai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogical records, but they were not found, so they were disqualified from serving as priests. The governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food from the sacrifices until a priest could consult the Lord about the matter by using the Urim and Thummim, the sacred lots. So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah in addition to 7,337 servants and 245 singers, both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. Some of the family leaders gave gifts for the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold coins, 50 gold basins, and 530 robes for the priests. The other leaders gave to the treasury a total of 20,000 gold coins and some 2,750 pounds of silver for the work. The rest of the people gave 20,000 gold coins, about 2,500 pounds of silver, and 67 robes for the priests. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra reads the law. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with the unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. My daily war. How do you react when you see the poor exploited? Does your heart beat a little faster? Your temperature go up a degree or two? Now imagine it as a member of your family being exploited. How would you respond to that? Lack of grain and oppressive Persian rule had forced some of the Hebrews in Jerusalem to mortgage their homes and sell themselves into slavery in order to pay their debts. When Nehemiah heard that the rich were extorting money from their own countrymen, his reaction was immediate and decisive. You may never have exacted interest from someone suffering hardships, but have you been guilty of keeping another Christian down by ignoring his or her difficult circumstances? Carry your money somewhere other than in your wallet or purse today, and let the empty wallet or purse remind you of the tactics of usury in Nehemiah's day. Then look for a way to assist rather than simply avoid a Christian brother or sister who is in difficult financial straits. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So true. That's all for today, my friends. It was great reading along with you. Have a great day, and God bless. 
and keep up the good work. And I will see you tomorrow, Lord willing, peace.